Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. And welcome to the 5-Minute Major. We are once again shorthanded. And I don't mean the way Doubles watches, uh, sits on his computer. Um, we are without Nick in New York again this evening. My name is Mike, and uh, with me, as always, Jared Mason. Jared, how are you doing this evening? Great, thank you. Um, I, I miss Nick's voice. Uh, you gotta, you, yeah, I'm sorry. You got to listen to me. All right. And uh, <laughs> and also with us, uh, Doubles. Doubles, uh, how's it hanging this evening? Uh, fine. I, I miss Nick like I miss hair in my soup. <laughs> <laughs> So the last since last we talked, uh, the Wild uh, destroyed John Tortorella's uh, debut as the coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. They uh, beat Anaheim, and uh, they, they beat Anaheim in spectacular fashion. And they nearly beat the Jets last night, uh, only losing because they decided to start Darcy Kemper, and Darcy Kemper gave up four fucking goals, including a couple of bad ones. So. Um, we saw we saw the good of the wild this last week, and we saw some pretty shitty of the wild this week. Um, Mason, uh, I assume you saw some of the good stuff we we've been seeing the last couple of days. Uh, what did you like in 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 those uh, Columbus uh, in any of the games? Was there anything you really that really stood out to you that you really liked? But, um, one thing that's so, somewhat of a departure in in uh, several of the last years is uh, I think we even mentioned it in the last show, just the ability to or than the score score goals in bunches. We've seen it a few times this this season, so that was very nice to to uh, see that in the uh, Columbus game. You know where we came back in in the third period, and and uh, the same for the Colorado game to open the season. Uh, I just wish they would fucking wait until the third period to do that because they clearly can do that at will, um, or at least have repeated that. So it's uh, in really frustrating to see. Um, uh, a game get away from them early, and they're coasting, coasting, and then they're like, "Whoa, fifteen minutes left, guys. We better do something." <laughs> and then they do something, um, drives me nuts. And so it's that's a you know double edge there because it's nice to see that they can do that, but why they don't choose to do that more often? Like I don't know, maybe when they have the you know a lead uh, or to start the game um, is incredibly enraging for me. And and one of the things that that really stood out to me in the Anaheim game, yeah, they 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 had the lead for quite a while, but it, it seemed like a, the longest time before they could actually, you know, get over the hump, so to speak, and, and really get you know a two goal cushion and you know then a three goal cushion. Um, and uh, how how nice was it to see Jason Zucker get his first goal of the season? And I mean that that was a real beauty, wasn't it? Don't yeah, you have any commentary on that. No, I did like that one, uh, especially given the fact that I entered the uh, Wild First contest with Jason Zucker. But uh, it would have been nicer if they would have picked my name to uh, win the prize. But uh, no, it was a good goal. But I don't, there's a lot of times when you see a team score a goal in the, within the first minute of the game, 
And I don't know if that just kind of makes a lot of teams kick it up into park or what, but it doesn't usually seem like it ends up being a really great sign. And uh, the Jets came back and answered right away. Uh, they really bit them in the ass last night. They're like within a minute or two, I think they they tied it. Yeah. Uh, three Any goals hit? in the first what three or four minutes? I mean, it, I I hope nobody took the under on that game. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like that did. <laughs> and you and you wonder then you wonder then I mean. And I, I would say the first two periods certainly showed it that um, they weren't playing well as a team for the, those first two periods. And the the Zucker goal was mainly a, a nice little pass uh, to, to assist to start it. And then essentially a, a one-man show from the the uh, um, ascending blue line into the goal. So that's tough to see, too, that, that you know, a guy can turn it on um, and then, you know, give his team a really good chance to do something with the game, but, but then the team play starts and it just goes nowhere. And and part of, I think part of the uh, the frustration last night was the fact that, you know, Darcy Kemper started his second game of the season, his first one in L.A., where he's played really well in the past. Uh, he damn near won them a game they had no right even being in. Um, and then last night he uh, shit the bed. Uh, so to speak, uh, doubles. You uh, now you didn't you didn't get a chance to see those. So, Mason, what what was your take on some of those goals? Uh, they're the baby butt soft. Some of them. Um, I think we could argue whether two or three of them were were soft, but certainly two of them were were Kemper of 2015 for sure. They did. I mean, it looked just just like some of the 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 head scratchers that he was letting in last season. Um, you know, and we, you know, beat it to death, but it, it looked like last night his body language was that he was, you know, beating himself up and letting it mount up and each goal was just, you know, another fiasco and, and then, you know, finally the, uh, the hook came, but you wonder if it was, wasn't, you know, the too late to do it, especially since we weren't able to complete the comeback. Um, but I, you know, I don't blame Yo for not hooking him earlier it's just unfortunate that you know he gave them he gave him that extra uh you know leeway and and um and it it ended up hurting us more but you know we we're at 3-1 at the time you know at the time that they scored their fourth so yeah it's hard to hard to say when to to pull him but it was not good to summarize well, and, and and my personal take on, on I saw the first three goals happen, and, and the first one I, I don't I don't know that anyone could have stopped a goal you know a puck bouncing off someone's fucking helmet. Yeah. Uh, and the yeah, second one, you know, he was down. The puck was moving side to side. I I questioned whether anyone could have stopped that one, although he didn't do anything. I mean, he was down. He had to know where the. I mean, I, I'm. It looked to me like he knew where the puck was. And I've seen other goals either where they either don't know where the puck is or they see where it is. They at least, you know, throw their stick up or throw an arm up or a leg up or something. I mean, they, he didn't do anything. He, he just sat there and watched the puck sail over his, his right leg there. Um, and the third goal, um, you know, the, there was daylight. It was a really good shot. But at the same time, you kind of wonder if, if, a, if a goalie's playing with a lot of confidence, you know, I, I would think they'd be out of the net a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit different body positioning. Um, you know, it's certainly hard to blame him for 
the third one, if you know, if it was such a good shot, but then you know, on, on the other hand, you know, would a different goalie have, have had different positioning or whatever? Um, and, and and I did not see the fourth one, and, and I'm glad I didn't because it sounded like it was pretty horrible. Uh, interestingly enough, Devin Dubnik then came into the game after we decide, finally decided to uh, to give uh, Kemper a rest and doubles. I understand Doobie is, is, is feeling a little bit in his knee. And, and do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, the, my first thought is that it took uh, all of seven games for the wild goaltending carousel to rear its head again this year. Um, <laughs> and it, kind of odd. And uh, Aaron Lipinski... Uh, one of our writers on Wild Extra pointed this out on our forums today that it's kind of strange that after the uh, after the Anaheim game, Doobie comes out and says he felt his knee pop, and then like Yo was almost acting like he was in denial that there was that there may be something up with Doobie's knee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you would too. If if, we, if this is heading to the path of the uh, twin fiasco and we get bilateral knee popping out of this, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> General well, soreness. To, to be fair, I mean, we did see how Sergei Bobrovsky, you know, shooting the bed in colossal fashion, essentially cost Todd Richards his job. So. I, if if I'm an NHL coach, I you know I'm going to be drinking the Kool Aid, you know whatever. I'm going to be drinking all the Kool Aid I can find regarding my goalie. I'm I'm going to be in complete denial, but if anything's wrong with them, yeah, you know, like, yeah, he's like yeah, that's rich, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doobie's fine. Next question. <laughs> he's yeah, fine. Said he's fine. It, yeah, and as goofy as these goalies are, I mean, are they really that susceptible to the Jedi mind trick? No, your knee is just fine. There's nothing to see here. Move along. My knee is just fine. It's not to uh, like how you know impenetrable and invincible he was, uh, Doobie. That is uh, for the now whatever the last third of the season since we acquired him, and then now seven games in, and he uh, is battling something. You know, obviously enough that broadcast teams are picking it up, and you know, like you guys said, Russo is was uh was all over that as well. So it's that's unfortunate that uh, the timing of it, but the same thing could have happened near the end of last season and we might not have even made the playoffs. So it's going to happen when it's going to happen. And I also so, think it's interesting that Nicholas Backstrom who has yet to suit up this year, uh yesterday would have been a prime time uh one game road trip to Winnipeg and uh, back home here again right away afterwards. That would have been a prime time to uh, dress Backstrom and throw him a little bit of a bone and just keep Doobie on the shelf. His trade value is way too high to risk it. Well, there is that. But I'm curious <laughs> if uh, if Doobie can't dress in that scenario, at, at what point is he ever going to see the light of day? I mean, does... And also, does that speak to how serious the Wild are taking the Central Division race where are they so concerned with their position in the division that they wouldn't even risk dressing Backstrom in a game that one time. Doobie, 
as a as a backup to Kemper in a game that uh, Doobie is clearly dinged up in. Um, so does it, does it say something about? That's going to be something to watch. Does it say something about the, how the Wild feel about the division, or does it say something about how they feel about Backstrom? Backstrom. Both. Yes. Yes. It's fear. It's all fear. <laughs> it's fear of, of the Central Division. It's fear of uh, Backstrom. And <laughs> it's sad. So, so one thing that occurs to me is that, and, and I think Michael Russo made this point, that Backstrom – you know, he feasts on the Oilers and he feasts. I mean, every chance he gets, he plays them, he beats them. I mean, it, he, he is almost as close as a sure thing uh, playing the Oilers as there is. If, if Mason, if you're the coach, would you just, you know, would you take this opportunity to throw backs from a bone, maybe win a game, give Doobie a few extra days rest, or do you just come right back with Dubnik you know, it's been reported that the the knee is not it's not there's not a structural problem with the knee. He's just fine. Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna drink that Kool Aid or are you gonna say, you know, maybe now would be a good time to either give Kemper you know throw Kemper a bone, let Kemper start a game and Backstrom back him up, you know, against a relatively weak team. You know, at, in theory, a chance he could win. Um, or or do you do you keep playing Doobie and risk and 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 run that risk, however minuscule it is. That's a tough question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we probably, at least since um, the Wild have been around, we got to have one of the best <laughs> records against Edmonton there is. Um, obviously, on account of how many games we played them while still in the Northwest with them. But um, I, I love Edmonton, and I love playing them because of that you know, record line against them. Um, so it's... <laughs> You know, it's it's a bit it's you know risky, sure, but but uh, if you're going to try it against any team to give either of our backups uh, a start, then you should do it against Edmonton. And I think your your point about Backstrom's historic numbers against them makes it a a good chance to to give him some time. Wouldn't hurt at all. I don't think Um, he's there's no reason to think that he wouldn't be able to. I don't know. I mean, he's he's still an NHL goaltender, and playing against his favorite team, you'd think he'd be able to give us one good game if he's going to give us one good game all season. One good game to prove he can still win a game and then trade him, hopefully, to exactly a, a, a sack. One, one win, happy, one game yeah. could increase the number of pucks you could get in return for him. So, <laughs> um. So doubles. I, I kind of wanted to talk to you about a couple of hits late in the game uh, last night. Um, one was uh, Dustin Bufflin, and you mentioned this uh, on the forums today. Uh, Dustin Bufflin, um, you know, as, as a ref, you you saw a couple of different scenarios in which you know this hit on Jason Pommelville could have gone down. You you kind of want to break that down for us a little bit? Yeah, it was uh, it really. Uh, I've inquired to uh, Kerry Fraser uh, via TSN, former NHL referee. Uh, I'd like to hear him opine on the Buffalo hit on Pominville. A um, couple things on that stuck out to me. Um, the first thing that stuck out to me is Pominville was down on the ice um, after being tripped by Buffalo, which went on call, <laughs> which is neither here nor there. <laughs> but uh, Pomeville's down on the ice, and the puck is along the boards, 
And while he's in the prone position, Pommaville was reaching forward with his stick to play the puck. And uh, Bufflin just kind of pinched him off and used his leg and essentially drove Pommaville's head right smack dab into the boards. Um, and so the, the first thing that the first question that I have is: it, Are all players afforded head protection at all times? Um, and in that case, uh, Pominville's you know Pominville's posture is such that in the prone position, you know it, it wasn't a high hit at all by Bufflin. Uh, like I said, it, it was really about knee high on him, so it's not a high hit. But at the same time, there's no mistaking that he absolutely drove Pominville's head right into the boards. Um, so if if it's not too, you know, if it shouldn't be penalized uh, based on the fact that it wasn't a high hit, you know, then, you know, then maybe a penalty wasn't warranted at all. Um, then again, it is hard to escape the fact that he clearly drove his head into the boards and uh, really, it was done in such a forceful way that it, it very easily, and especially if Pominville would have stayed down injured, um, it very easily could have been a five-minute major in a game misconduct. So it's a really complex hit from the standpoint that I can understand if it was if there was no call, if it was called a two-minute minor, or if it was called a five-minute major in a game misconduct. So uh, for, be for you, interested. Doug? Be interested in seeing uh, an NHL referee opine in that scenario. Uh, for uh, you, that, Dubs, that, would you have been ready to give that too? But then the second that Bufflin started chirping, "Are you kidding? Are you serious? Are you serious?" Would you have you elevated serious? that, escalated that to a five-minute major, just cheering that that you know that wimpy you know complaining about it? Uh, I, I don't know if that would have made me change my penalty call, but it certainly would have elicited. It certainly would have elicited a smart-ass remark, I would hope. <laughs> Especially since, like, what what is he shocked about? I mean, like you, you know, detailed, he drove Pominville's face into the board with his knee, and it looked like, you know, from Bufflin's angle, he was going to do that regardless of if Pominville stayed on his belly slide or if he got up to his knees like he did and still boarded him, so... I mean, if if nothing, it, to me, it, it was going to be a two-minute minor at, at at least, like especially just because of the trip that started it all, and then driving his face into the boards with his knee. So, and then I I couldn't I couldn't handle hearing him as befuddled as he was after being called for it with Are you serious? That uh, that <laughs> audio from the TSN feed was fantastic, though, because it's got to be the referee that assessed the penalty that you can hear chirping him right back. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, he was dropping F-bombs. <laughs> and he said, you know, the, to, to paraphrase, he said, you were fine on the first hit, which was the trip that went uncalled. And then he said, but you didn't have to effing do that on the second <laughs> one. <laughs> which, uh, gotta, if, if anybody could appreciate that anybody could appreciate a good Effenheimer, it would be Mike Bird. So uh, <laughs> it's especially refreshing coming from a referee to a player. <laughs> I do like that too. The, uh, the, the coaching aspect of, uh, you know, on ice or on field uh, refereeing, you know, depending on what sport it is. 
Um, I really, I, I appreciate that. And are you doing that uh, a lot when you're refing, or I, I feel that it's very common in in rugby and in hockey, and less common in any other kind of larger major sport. But I don't want to, you know, anything else very much. So. Yeah, I will. Uh, I will try and as play is unfolding, if I see a guy reaching or, you know, kind of lunging out after a guy that's in front of him, you know, I'll instruct him to move, you know, move your feet, move your feet, because that's one of the, that's one of the red flags that's, that's yep. very easy for us to, to pick up on is a guy moving his feet or not. Um, so mm-hmm. I, there's several times over the course of the game that I'll say move your feet or uh, there's times where I can give a guy a, a verbal, it, you know, let him go, let him go. Yeah. He's holding a guy in a way that that I don't feel is enough to give a player a competitive advantage. Um, I, you know, I will try and verbalize to the players, you know, what we're looking for, and it, it, until it gets to the point of uh, one team getting a competitive advantage, you know, then. You know, then we'll be making the call for sure. But uh, no, I, I do. I think it's uh, very worthwhile to work with the players uh, in that regard. It okay. seems it seems like other other major sports that there's less of that. I mean, like the referee is this untouchable watcher of the game that adjudicates each play. And you know, even if you're barking in his face, like there's no conversation there. There's no coaching there. There's just you know what he deemed happened in the play and. And that's it, and like get out, or you know you'll be penalized somehow. But I, I again, I just really like that part of uh, NHL refing and, and so on. That that it's a conversation throughout the game while the game's going, rather than just you know uh, the law out there on skates and the play ends, and then there's something happens because of it. Yeah, for sure. And one thing that you got to keep in mind, uh, at least as it relates to the you know to the to the NHL level and the and the highest levels in each league. But, like, in the NHL, for the most part, the players and the referees are all very familiar with each other. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they they have somewhat of a rapport. Um, you know, it's not always good, but in most cases, I think there's a lot of respect uh, that goes both ways between well, the players you know- and the officials. Do you know how many games a typical NHL ref uh, refs in 82-game season? Is it just as many as the players out there, 82? Um, I believe the full-time guys, I believe, do somewhere in the neighborhood of 78 games. Sure. Yeah, I, I was going to say between 75 and 80, if I remember from... Is, yeah, is yeah. that right, Bergie? Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, an, another one. This 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 other hit got kind of got a little bit of play because uh, um, who was it Burakovsky? I think is the guy that elbowed Jared Spurgeon. Um, Burmistrov. Burmistrov. That's what it was. Yeah, he he was given a warning last week for elbowing, and uh, he decided that uh, that wasn't sufficient enough to stop him, and he decided to throw a blatant elbow at. Uh, uh, or I should say, a careless elbow at uh, Jared Spurgeon's head, because apparently he didn't realize until he saw the uh, until he saw the replay on the big screen, um, and then he kind of laughed it off, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I guess I did do that." Um, so he he was given a fine today. He was not further warned. 
uh, or suspended or anything. The, the league decided that uh, he's he's going to get a couple of different strikes before they do anything about him. Um, did either guys see that play uh, happen as it as it happened, or have any thoughts on that? It Mason? was uh, it was kind of the exploding elbow, wasn't it? Yeah, reverse. Yeah. Uh, I heard in the game. It looked to me like he he was kind of turning his body and and had his elbows up, and so it it seemed kind of uh, like I said, careless, not necessarily malicious, but at the same time, uh, if Pierre Marc Bouchard can get suspended two games when a guy lifts a stick into his own face, um, <laughs> you, know, you really got to wonder, you know, the what the NHL is thinking here by giving this guy another warning for you know after after sitting him down and talking to him. You know why they they wouldn't see fit to to do anything beyond uh, giving him a, a, another slap on the wrist. And I think that play is a great illustration of kind of where where the state of the game is at today uh, regarding headshots. Um, you know, forty years ago, Gordy Howe made a living with that very play, the sneaky um, elbow, and and, mm-hmm. and everybody knew it. Um, now that you know a play like that happens now and all of a sudden it's a thing and you know guys are uh guys are getting slapped with a wet noodle for uh you know uh an elbow that like i said uh years ago uh was an accepted part of the game so i think you're not going to go the, go on like a, a back in my day rant right now are you uh, like i don't think so but i I don't think so, but I'm never more than a split second away from doing so. So, <laughs> but I'm not really feeling the need right now, so I'll let that one go. Mason, any thoughts on that? Uh, I actually, I, I, I looked up and uh, Burmistov was already in the uh, the box, and I saw that reaction that he gave to the jumbotron, and and then heard the description of the. The uh, reverse elbow that that uh, you guys mentioned, uh, but I didn't get, I didn't see it. But uh, uh, okay. I'm sure it was, uh, I'm sure it was accurately, you know, judged by the Department of Player Safety because they never go wrong. <laughs> All right. Um, final thoughts, and I'll and I'll start this time, and and I'll give uh, I'll give our our good friend Nick in New York a, a little warning if he he might want to fast forward a few seconds here. Uh, I, my final thought is, is I was looking at some of the things that stood out to me in the, in the stats line so far this year. Uh, two things jumped out at me. Uh, Nate Prosser, who has only played two games, is second on the team with a plus three rating. And the Wild are eight for eight on the PK when he plays. Uh, Mason, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> You're asking for it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, my final thought, I guess, um, along the, the way of surprising is, um, after searching for our, our identity all season, last season, and then finally maybe thinking that we had an identity once, you know, Dubnik came around and saved our asses, uh, it looks like this team is once again, you know, still like a preteen girl not knowing who they are, what they want to aspire to be, and very confused about it and very emotional about it as well. Um, the good thing is that we're 5-2-1, which is a great record if you're in any other division but Central, so it's hard to really complain too much about uh, about it. But 
because they found ways to win, but it's still, you know, you never know what you're going to get so far this season once uh, once those guys take the ice. So let's, uh, let's hope for some soul like searching. like a box of chocolates, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doubles? Uh, I have two final thoughts. Um, the special teams are kind of inver- almost inver- inverted from uh, the way they went last year with the uh, last year, one of the top-rated power, uh, one of the top-rated penalty kills last year, uh, now finds itself 22nd overall at 77.3%, and uh, one of the sucking hind tit power plays last year uh, finds itself 11th overall. And uh, have they got a power? They haven't got a power play goal in every game so far, have they? But uh, it's been fairly close to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Gain uh, that we've seen, the gains that we've seen uh, coming from the power play have pretty much been offset by the penalty kill, so not the horse apiece to me. Um, otherwise, uh, if the captain, Miko Koivu, uh, keeps up his level of play, I might have to uh, ease off my bashing of him. Uh, <laughs> hold on. I'm going to have to sit down here. Seven points and eight. Up. Seven, seven, back seven points. Seven points in eight games, 56% on faceoffs. Even I can't deny that he's playing a very high level right now, and uh, I would like to see that keep up. He does look rejuvenated playing with uh, Zucker and Nino this year. It, it's, it's been amazing watching his, not only him, but his, his whole line is just flying right now. I've been really impressed by them. It, it's shocking that, you know, with that great combo that, you know, Zucker still only has the one goal. Nino's got a got a what does he got four now? Does he have four? Three or four, yeah. Yeah, and so that's great. You know, you know they're yeah. At least those two guys are clearly helping each other out. It's, it's kind of weird that um, that Zucker is struggling a little bit, but I think yeah, maybe he just uh, maybe that, that maybe his goal to start the game last will be what what he needs to kind of really get going. He definitely seems like a confidence player to me. And he's he's been so close for so long. I I, th- I think he was due for that, and, and hopefully, like you said, Mason. Hopefully, he breaks out now. So, uh, for doubles for Mason, this is Mike Berg. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.